This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's going on, Hopeland Church? I am ready to get into the Word of God today. We're in part two of the cross, and so... That's what we're going to do. Um, stoked you're here. Stoked you're either watching or listening uh, to this today. And let me pray for you. And we will open up our Bibles. So, Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for life. Uh, Lord, we thank you for revelation. We thank you for impartation. We thank you for <laughs> your present truth, God that establishes us in your will. We pray that happens today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said amen. (coughs) Excuse me. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 27. I'm gonna read verse 45 to 56. This is Matthew's account of the the cross. All right, so we're gonna read this and, and, and jump right into the word today. All right, so here we go. Matthew chapter 27. Uh, verses 45 to 56. And it says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, uh, there was darkness over all the land. It's three hours. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them, ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. It's pretty wild. Uh, So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly saying, Truly, this was the Son of God, capital S. So when these people saw him on the cross and things that were happening uh, around them, they literally acknowledged Christ's divinity right there, right? So many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Okay, and so um, there you go. That's that's Matthew's account. Um, all the Gospels have an account. I just wanted to kind of read that as just um, uh, just to kind of look at the the narrative of the crucifixion. All right, and um, it's kind of going to set the set the tone of what we're going to talk about today. 
Um, but it's very interesting, uh, and I already mentioned this, but that when he was on the cross and they seen the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly and said, truly, this was the Son of God. So in that moment, when Jesus was on the cross, they, um, they saw him for who he really was, and they actually vocalized it and said it. They're like, man, this this is different, okay? This, this is, um, you know, and you're talking about a centurion, okay, and those with him. So the centurion uh, presumably um, has seen this happen before. It was part of the whole capital punishment. Um, but when this centurion saw Jesus on the cross and what he was experiencing as a result, he's like, eh, like you know, this, this man is different, right? Like, this is the Son of God, okay? Like, truly, this was the Son of God, you know? And so, um, very interesting. Um, and then if you look just a few verses before this, okay, just a few verses uh, before this, in, in Matthew 27, verse 40, I find this very interesting, okay? And it says here, verse 40, and saying, you who destroyed the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Okay, and so here you go. You got the, those that, you know, um, did not believe in Jesus, were threatened by him, but you know, in just a few verses down, you got people actually acknowledging he's the son of God. You got some saying, well, if you are, then bring yourself down. But he did not bring himself down. He stayed on that cross. He, he did not revile in return. He did not answer a word. He did not defend himself, and rip himself off of that cross and call down angels and be like, okay, this is enough, right? He took it. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. And so the cross, that moment, um, to those standing there, and watching the centurion and others, that moment literally revealed who he really was, okay? And so, um, hallelujah, all right? So here we go. So um, so I know in, in last week I talked about Martin Luther a little bit, just the, uh, just um, kinda how during the Reformation, how just the emphasis of the cross um, was was emphasized um, be, not just because not not the symbol you know like a crucifix or a cross isn't our object of worship right like the the actual the the trinket or the the jewelry right it, it but it it's that Jesus actually died the historical event when we say the cross we're speaking of the historical event the actual occurrence we're speaking of what that did, what it produced, what the results of it are, what it represents, what it has actually done for us. When we speak of the Lamb of God, the blood of Jesus, right? His broken body, right? We're speaking of the cross, right? We're speaking of the foundation of our faith right there, okay? And so Martin Luther, once again, like this is some, at this time when, when there was such um, twisted uh, belief systems in the church, as far as the West was concerned, when I say West, I just mean not the, um, 
Eastern Orthodox, I'm speaking in history now, when, I, when we say West, the Western part of the church world, it's really speaking of uh, initially before there was this distinction between Catholic and Christian, uh, that the, the Western world, the Latin speaking part of the world is who uh, basically was the most influential church um, in Europe, okay? So it kind of just, you know, so we're now, I'm talking about Germany, Martin Luther there, he was a priest. And so the practices, the methods, the methodology, everything, um, the, the script, for instance, the scriptures were not in a, a common language. They were still in Latin, nobody spoke Latin. Um, you know, there were certain practices and expectations of people and doctrines developed and uh, came about that were not truly scriptural, um, like purgatory and penance and uh, various other things like that. And so it was basically, you know, from a macro look at the church and, you know, we're talking the 16th century and, you know, years even before and after that, but in this moment of the 1500s, um, you know, it was very works-based, okay? It was what we do. We have to do this. We have to pay money. We have to, you know, perform kind of, we have to do works to be forgiven. Like there was a belief system, actually, a, a doctrine that the reason penance was formed, meaning you know, doing some type of good works to be forgiven is because there was a kind of twisted theology about baptism because they said baptism is the forgiveness of sins. So what do I have to do when I sin after baptism? Oh, can't get baptized again. So you have to actually do something. You have to, you have to perform some charitable work or something or pay money to kind of, you know, make up for the sins you commit after baptism. Okay. So it's just, it's not biblical. It's just, you know, so here's Martin Luther comes on the scene and he actually reads the Bible and he's like, wait a minute. Like the book of Romans says, we are justified by grace through faith. The just shall live by faith. Wait a minute wait a minute, like basically what Martin Luther was saying, let's get back to what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we need to do the same thing today. We need to get back to what Jesus did on the cross for us, okay? And so I'm kind of uh, reviewing a little bit from last week, but I just wanted to mention something else that Martin Luther said at this time, and it's, um, is, and I'll just read from my notes, but, but Martin Luther is sometimes referred Enig enigmatically or mysteriously, it was this mystery here, to Christ crucified as God's backside. Meaning this part of God that we didn't, um, other than maybe what the Isaiah prophesied, the suffering servant and all this, but the Jewish community did not get it. They did not, they did not, they, they, they missed it. They missed it. They thought he was going to come as, as a reigning king in a way that they thought uh, in a very natural way, a very kind of domineering way. And here it is. Here's God himself, God in the flesh. And he's actually typified as a lamb to the slaughter, an offering, a silent lamb, right? Pure, undefiled, clean, um, 
and 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 yet suffering a death he did um and suffering you know uh a death and and um you know that we deserved okay and so martin luther says man this is like kind of like this part of god we haven't seen and so let me read this from my notes and so the point at which god speaking of the cross appeared to be the very contradiction of all that one might reasonably have anticipated him to be. So it's kind of like in, in, in his own study and, and going back to the cross and grace and faith and, and, and that our relation with God is not works-based. We cannot work for this. It's not from us. We, don't, we cannot do quote-unquote good enough to be forgiven of the guilt of our sin and our shame. It's, it's, it's Jesus that justifies. It's the blood that washes, okay? So he's just going back to just the basic foundations of our faith, okay? And so this is, this is fascinating if you think about it. Like, like, yes, he is almighty God, King and Lord, but he chose to suffer a sinner's death he was a suffering servant. He, um, God himself, all-powerful, all-knowing, self-existent, self-sufficient, chose to limit himself and to put on human skin and to die in our stead, okay? So that's kind of what we're getting to here, okay? So this, and like the centurion, those when they saw him on the cross, they saw God, like they're like, this is the, the son, capital S, son of God, okay? So let's look at Philippians, Philippians chapter two, all right? Verse five to eight, check this out. Philippians two, verse five to eight. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus knew who he was. I am God. He is, he is, um, of the same substance, the same essence as the Father. He is um, man, but God, he, this is what, he, he didn't consider this robbery. He wasn't, he wasn't lying or, you know, you know he, he's like, no, like he knew. He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God the Father. Okay, verse seven. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. Verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. All right? Say it with me, folks. Say, let's get back to the cross. Say it again. Say, let's get back to the cross. All right, so here we go. Here's my first point. The cross is a divine revelation. It is a divine revelation. It, 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 the cross, that whole thing, it reveals who God, those centur the centurion, the others there, surely, truly, this was the son of God. He, they didn't say that until he got up on them and they saw, like this centurion witnessed people getting crucified and the true person was revealed when being crucified under that type of torture and pain. They were saying all kinds of crazy stuff. Could you imagine what was coming out of these people's mouths, their actions, their, you know, I mean, my goodness. But when Jesus was up there, I mean, he 
was still just perfect. He said, forgive them for they know not what they do, right? So the, the cross, truly, it, it reveals, it's like that is the divine revelation of, of who God is and everything about him. So here we go. Let me read this. I'm going to read through my notes here quickly, but just these are aspects of what the cross, how it is a divine revelation, how what it reveals to us about the God that we serve, okay? So the cross reveals the nature of God, okay? Humble, servant, loving, forgiving, right? The cross reveals the heart of God, okay? Reveals the heart of God. The cross reveals that God is gracious, that God is merciful, that God is compassionate, okay? Jesus, when he looked at people that were lost, he says, man, they're like, he was moved with compassion and they are like sheep that have no shepherd, okay? The Bible says that he is able to be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So the cross reveals, this is what it reveals to us, that God cares, he cares, that God cares. He's not distant from us. He is not far off, right? He cares and he is close, all right? The cross reveals that God deeply desires to fellowship and commune with you. That's what it reveals because that is why he did it. He did it for relationship. He did it that the son of God would become the son of man, that the sons of men could become sons of God, right? The cross reveals that God deeply and passionately desire, desires to fellowship and to commune with us and to have communion with us. That, that is what it is. Like I said last week, the cross is a relational transaction, okay? So, so the cross reveals the unconditional love of God. It tells us that God loves us unconditionally. It tells us that he loves us first. It tells us that he cares. It tells us that he's close. It tells us that he feels. It tells us that he that he desires to um, come into and develop relationship with us, okay? The cross reveals Christ in his humanity. We look at the cross, we see his humanity. He cries, he weeps, he bleeds, all right? But the cross also reveals Christ in his divinity. It reveals his human nature, all right? Because um, in his divinity, right? No, like, you know, he, he could have called down angels, the scripture even says, but he chose to suffer and to, you know, to um, go through that for us. It reveals his divinity. How do we know that? Because the centurion and those people said, surely, truly, this was the son of God. All right? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. All right, so this, he, this, this, he is our model. He is 
he is who we follow. He is, you know, uh, we, we desire to know him and to imitate him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This is what he did for us. Who for the joy that was set, what was the joy relationship with us? All right. It reveals, the cross reveals that he was anticipating relationship with us. The joy set before him was communion with his people, with his creation. All right? All right, here we go. Uh, here's my next point. The, the result of the cross, the result of the cross is divine provision. Okay? The, the, the cross um, produces, um, actualizes, has provided so much. I could probably go on for hours on specific things that the cross does. It, it provides divine provision, right? You know, the prophet said he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed, okay? So, so the result of the cross is divine provision, okay? The cross when we look at the cross, not just the symbol, I just mean, I, I want to reiterate this. You know, we're not, we don't worship things, but when I say the cross, I'm speaking of the act, the actual occurrence, right? So the cross is healing. The cross is forgiveness of sin. The cross is redemption. The cross is justification by grace. The cross is freedom from sin. The cross is access to God. The cross is unity in the body. The cross is the gospel. Christ Christ on the cross is everything we needed. I can go, you know, scripture after scripture that, that, that this is what the cross has provided us, divine provision. It is, it is divine, it has revealed God and it has given us everything we truly need, okay? Everything we truly needed, everything. His, his flesh is food indeed, meat indeed, his his, his blood is drink indeed. You know, we can drink and partake of him because of the cross. We have communion because of the cross. We are baptized because of the cross. We're, we're able to access God, to pray, to worship, to come to God. I mean, the access has been granted. We have access to the Father. Come on, somebody. Um, I mean, everything. I mean, this is the gospel, okay? The cross, Jesus died buried, rose again, right? This is the gospel. Uh, Christ on the cross is everything that you have, will, and ever need, ultimately. Do we have other needs? Do we, are there things, needs, things, this and that? Yes, I understand all of the intricacies of our human existence. But when we look at the cross and what Jesus did, and we look at all of the other things of life, right? Everything else pales in comparison to that. We have been given um, access in relation to God in Christ because of the cross. We now can enter heaven itself because of the shed blood, because of the cross. So not only in this life, but in the life to come, it is everything we've ever needed. He did it all. He did it all. He paid the price for all of that. Okay, isn't that beautiful? I mean, think about that. We're beneficiaries. I didn't do nothing to get that per se. The only thing that I do is repent. The only thing that I do is say yes. 
The only thing that I do is say, yes, Lord, you're Lord. Here I am. Save me, take me, heal me, sanctify me, whatever. You know, all I do is respond. That's it. I didn't do anything. I am simply responding. This is what God has done. This, this is divine provision, right? It is everything I need. Re restoration of my soul. Soundness of mind. Um, newness of spirit. That might walk in newness of life. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why? The cross. That's why. That is why. Um, you know, I, I said in here, you know, the cross is unity in the body. What does that mean? I, that You know, the Bible says in Ephesians, he's made the two one, meaning Gentile and Jew. He has brought us to one father. We all are in faith by grace, a part of the same family. It has reconciled not only humanity to God, but humanity to one another in Christ. That we are the family of God, the household of faith. Why? Because of the cross. He triumphed over principalities and powers. The devil is defeated. Come on now. I mean, everything we need. Okay, what? why is it the cross? Hallelujah. So, because of this, all right, I mean, I mean, common sense will tell you this too. Because of this, think about the riches of God, what God has provided. Access to him, access to the throne of God, um, access to the promises of God, um, um, becoming a part of the body of Christ, right? That we now are experiencing and, and, and we are beneficiaries of his goodness. I mean, everything has been covered. Right, because of the cross. I mean, spirit, soul, body, mentally, emotionally, even provision in natural things. God, God's gonna take care of us. Can I get an amen? Not only in this life, but in the life to come. But because of the riches of his grace, because of his goodness, because of his loving kindness, his mercy, his grace, his divine provision. Guess what though, folks? Here is my next point. We're accountable because of the cross. We're accountable. To much is given, much is required. Much is required. So let me read this. I'm gonna read this for our notes. It's pretty long. It's not too long. It's, it's too long to maybe make a point because if I were to make this a point, it'd just cover the whole screen. But this is really, really the, the thing I want. If you're taking notes, I want you to, I want you to write this down. Um, it, here it is. If it's a sin, Jesus suffered and died for it. All right, can I get an amen? And if he died for it, we can be forgiven of it. And if we can be forgiven of it, we ought to be free from it. I'm gonna say this again. Because of the cross, because of everything he's done, he has done, we receive him. We accept him. We say yes to him. We repent. He touches us and we say, yes, Lord, thank you. I, I, I give my life to you. All that good stuff. Because of that, we're accountable. And here it is. If, it, if it's a sin, Jesus suffered and died for it. And if he died for it, we can be forgiven of it. And if we can be forgiven of it, we ought to live free from it. So what am I saying? That when you talk about the cross, we must talk about sin because 
Can't talk about one without the other. If you talk about sin, you need to talk about the cross. Because it's been paid for. And, and, and there's freedom there. Deliverance there. Wholeness there. Come on, somebody. Um, and, if, and, if we, and if we talk about the cross and God's goodness and his forgiveness, what are we talking about, really? We are talking about sin as well. We must talk about it because it's what he died for. Why, why am I saying this? Because when we talk about the cross, it's beautiful. It's encouraging. Hallelujah. We're free. We're forgiven. But it also makes us accountable. Is there sin in our life that we are willfully living in, right? Like, so this isn't a condemnation. It's just, we're talking about the cross. So have you, have you repented of it? Have you asked God to forgive you? Have you been honest about it, right? Don't take a sin and say it's not a sin when it is because he died for it. So it's like saying he didn't die for it. It's like saying it's, what he did on the cross wasn't enough for this. Come on now. Whether we're consciously saying it or not, that's what we're saying. We're saying no. Or, or we're saying it's not a sin. No, 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 no. Just because we as humans say something isn't a sin doesn't mean it's not one. Because the truth is that sin has a penalty and the price has been paid. But if we continue to live in sin and we don't repent of it, turn from it, we're going to pay a price because of it. Can I get an amen, somebody? Come on now. Come on now. All right, so let's look at our Bibles. Let's look at our Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and 25. For to this you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Come on now, the cross revealed his divine nature right there. Okay. Who himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree. Okay. Or on the cross. That we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep going astray but now have but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls all right what is this saying that he bore our sins so if you're living in sin some kind of secret sin some kind of thing that that you know okay this is not of god and I shouldn't be doing it. What am I saying to you today? Go, get back to that cross. Come on now. Thank him for dying for it. And ask him, Lord, deliver me. Set me free of this. Heal me. Deliver me. Whatever. Talk to somebody else about it. I'm just saying, like, let's, let's deal with the sin in our life at the foot of the cross. Don't, don't. Because sometimes what happens is, folks, is, is we got sin in our life. And then we start, and whether we realize it or not, I'm telling you, this is why I mentioned the in the 16th century, the church became works-based. And if we're not careful, we become works-based. Meaning, well, you know, I'm struggling with this. I got a little private sin. I got a little, I got a little, you know what I'm saying? I got a little pet demon over here, right? And, and But yet we say, oh, but if I serve in church and do this, then, then I'm okay. And, and, and I understand the tension of serving God in the middle of your struggle. And yes and amen, continue to seek him and serve him. But let's not get into this mentality where... We do good works and, and thinking that it's okay to have some kind of 
secret sin as long as I attend church, go to church, serve in church. Like let's deal with our sin at the cross and let's serve him, right? But let's deal with here first, right? Come on now, this is where it's at. The Bible says the kingdom is within you. The Bible says the, the seed of the word is planted on your heart. Let's deal with this first at the cross. Jesus died and suffered. He bore it that we died with him. I was crucified, my old nature crucified with him. So I should no longer live in it. Come on, somebody. If it is a sin, Jesus died for it. If he died for it, you can be forgiven of it. And if you can be forgiven of it, we should live free from it. And, and this, this is for all of us. We're human. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so as we talk about the cross, like, is there something in your life that isn't right? Is there a habit? Is there something you do, something you're involved in that you know, okay, this is not right in the eyes of God? Habitual sin, willful sin, secret sin, whatever you want to call it. This isn't a condemnation to you. This is a, let, let's, when we go to the cross, the cross exposes sin for what it is. And, and let's like call sin, sin. Let sin be sin. Let's not manipulate our ways so we can hold on to something that Jesus died for. Come on now. Okay. So here we go. What, I'm going to just go through some sins here. All right. Filthy communication is a sin. Okay. And whatever that means, gossip, slander, causing division. You know, there are sins we commit with our mouth, all right? And, and it's like, man, if, if we're living that way, if we're, you know, we're walking with the Lord, but we, you know, the, you know, the Bible talks about this time and time again, all throughout the scripture, you know, out of our mouth shouldn't be salt water and fresh water, right? Let's, let's deal with that sin at the cross. Jesus, thank you for dying for this. Lord, I give it to you. Lord, here it is. I confess it. Take it. Deliver me, Right? Here's another one, you know, not doing what God has called you to do is a sin. That, that's, that's rebellion, disobedience, right? So there's the sin of commission or the actual committing of a sin. There's the sin of omission. It's where, you, where you're, you're not doing what he's called you to do. That is just as much a sin as committing some kind of sin is just not being obedient to God in some way. Okay, so what am I saying? Repent of that. Turn, go, go to the cross. Thank you, Lord, dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood. Cleanse me, wash me, Lord, deliver me, right? You bore this, this sin on your body. Thank you, right? What else? What are some other sins? Idolatry or the worship of other gods or let, let's break it down here for us in the Western hemisphere or anything in our life that we put in the place of God. That is a sin. Right, that we should have no other gods before him. I don't know. You know, that this is just look at I want to encourage you, I want to inspire you, but I also want you to reflect. I want you to contemplate. I want you to think about your life and where you're at. Like this, that we, we this ought to be a, a normal exercise for us before the Lord, daily, even maybe, you know, like hey God, you know, if there's anything that's not right in me, God. Show me, take it away. I don't want it. I want to be free. You died for it, God. I don't want to live in something you died for. 
to, to free me from, all right? What what else? So so what are some things that may that aren't sin, but maybe something that's kind of like it is, okay? So, you know, there's no scripture in the Bible like drinking alcohol is not a sin. It's it's in the Bible, in the scripture does not say that's a sin. But there's something around that a little bit that is like the Bible is clear that drunkenness is a sin that that like kind of partying and getting drunk um you know some of the language and depending on your version of the Bible work of the flesh revelries which is riotous partying right so that's a sin so you got people maybe going to church involved in church serving church but they're partying and getting drunk I'm here to say man Jesus died for that and if he died for it, you can be forgiven of it. And if you can be forgiven of it, you can be free from it. You don't have to live like that no more. Come on up out of there, right? As the scripture says, you know, touch not the unclean thing. Come out from among them and he will receive you. You understand? So this is where the cross makes us accountable. We must turn and repent of our sin, right? So sex, right, in a marriage covenant is not a sin. All the married people said, amen, right? It's not a sin. This is part of the covenant. But but sex outside of marriage is sin. Fornication is any kind of sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage is a sin. All right. Adultery is a sin. Um, having sex with a person you're not married to is a sin. Pornography is a sin. It is, it is a sin. It is Jesus died to forgive us cleanse us and set us free from pornography. How can I say pornography is a sin? Um, because the scripture says that if you look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you have already committed adultery with her. So in essence, in, 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 in from, from a New Testament under grace perspective that when we lust after somebody in our heart, we have committed adultery already, okay? It's not the act of sex even, it's that I have lusted in my heart for somebody I am not married to. That is a sin and Jesus died for it. If you died for it, you can be forgiven of it. If you can be forgiven of it, hallelujah, you can be sanctified, cleansed and delivered and freed from it, okay, like I don't have time to go through every sin, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to use some examples here, okay? And, and, and sex, any type of sex with the same sex is a sin. Homosexuality is a sin, all right? There are people in our community that were heavily involved in living in the LGBTQ community. They were um, living homosexual, lesbian, uh, life, having sex with the same sex, all up in that Jesus touched them, saved them. And I'm telling you right now, new, two people in our church, heavily involved in a part of our community. They have a powerful testimony. Jesus died for that sin. All right. So when we call sin a sin, we're not condemning people. We are not judging people. We are simply stating that Jesus died for that act, that lifestyle, that way of living. That is something Jesus died for and he can and will deliver you and free you of it. Can I get an amen? All right, so there, I just wanted to kind of name some some sins, obviously not all of them, uh, but 
what am I saying? That Jesus on the cross makes us accountable to call sin, sin, and say, let Jesus set you free of that. All right? When we say a, a literal sin is not a sin, what are we saying about the cross? What are we doing to the cross? What are we doing to our the foundation of our faith? Come on, somebody. All right? It doesn't matter what kind of sin it is. It's something you're saying. It's your disobedience. It's rebellion. Sexual sin. What it, you know, Whatever, whatever sin in thought, heart, in deed, act, sin of omission, sin of commission, does not matter. I'm telling, I'm here to tell you right now. Um, here's, here, here's theology 101, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have a sinful nature, and the only remedy to any and all sin is the cross. It is Jesus. It is a revelation of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus, nothing else. Can somebody say amen? I'm talking about the cross. And if you talk about the cross, you must talk about sin and call sin, sin, because we are accountable. Hallelujah. We are accountable. We are accountable to call people back to Jesus, to call people back to the shepherd of their soul. All right, here we go. Um, I'm going to give you, I'm not going to read this whole thing because I, I don't have time and space to do it, okay? But here's your homework assignment for today. I want you to read and take home with you all of Romans chapter 6, okay? Romans chapter 6, I believe it's a total of 23 verses, but Romans 6 verse 1 to 23. I'm going to start in verse 1 and, and read a little bit down here. Um, I'm not sure exactly where I'm going to stop, but here we go. Romans chapter 6. Uh, verse one, and this is gonna be uh, my last scripture here, and then we're gonna pray. I'm just gonna read a few of these, but check this out. Here it is. Romans 6 says it all. What we just talked about, here it is. Here we go. Before I read this, say this with me, though. Say this with me. Say, say we're accountable because of the cross. Say it with me. Say, because of the cross, I am accountable. Romans chapter six, verse one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? What sin are we talking about? Whatever sin you're dealing with, right? Whatever sin I'm dealing with, Lord, forgive me. God, help me, save me, deliver me, you know? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Somebody say the cross. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Father, I thank you for everybody here today. I pray that you touch them. I pray that they do business with you for their own personal walk and spiritual development, God. I pray that as they look at the cross and study the scriptures concerning the cross, that they would walk in freedom in, in, in all areas of life, 
as a result of their relationship with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.